to Say That, podcast where every questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in Chicago. Joining us this week is Jeff Brewer. Whoa! Also with us, Lee Younger. I am also with. Once again, Jed, surprised he's on the podcast. <laughs> we Shanghai him each and every week. <laughs> I'm surprised to be anywhere. That's right. None will know the hour of the recording. <laughs> be dressed and ready for service when your yeah. podcast recording app fires up. We have a great show lined up for you. We have got some... Uh, wonderful questions from all around the world that came in. But first, I'm forced to declare a, I can't tell if this is a joke we came up with or a real thing emergency. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. Again, many, many genres of emergency. This is one of them. Eternalprayer.org. Eternalize your personalized prayer. Lift your prayers to the Lord and receive an NFT of your prayer. What? What? Eternal prayer will permanently inscribe your prayer on the blockchain. You'll receive proof of inscription and a complimentary NFT of your prayer. A lot of things going on. One, being that this service costs $19.99, I don't think you know what complimentary means. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Complimentary is that is you know you go downstairs and you you pour that goop into the waffle maker, <laughs> yeah, and and there's like a it's like the one time of year you eat an apple, yeah, that's right yeah. the tiniest apples, an apple of a yes. size only found at continental breakfasts at mid cheer hotels or or the or the or the cereal uh the cereal uh, dispenser that you have to turn the little knob and it sounds like you're crunching every piece of the cereal before it makes it into your little styrofoam <laughs> bowl. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Now imagine you did that and it was, this is just complimentary breakfast. And then they gave you the $20 bill at the end of it. Yeah. You'd have to explain <laughs> to them. Oh no, 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 no. That's what happens at much nicer hotels than this day's in. We'll see. Th not only that though, it's like, uh, you, they they said it was complimentary. You paid the $20, but you actually didn't get to eat a waffle. You just got a digital picture of a waffle that apparently is on the blockchain, whatever that is. Well, I, I love the, the intentional. That is excellent. I love the intentional hustle of you walk in and say, hey, you look great today. And then they serve you your thing. And then you get this bill for $20. And you're like, hey, what the heck? You're like, you should have proofread that very carefully. Complimentary is spelled two different ways, and it means two different things. You remember when I said that you look great today? That was me complimenting you. $20, please. I like that. It could go the other way also. You get a complimentary oil change when you come in for our service center. Oh, great. And they're really, really mean to you, but it is free. So that's the price. You can only get one kind of complimentary at a time. That's great. So, yeah, well, Lee, you, you make a great point about what is the blockchain, and uh, I don't know either, but here's what I know. You have to burn down a small part of the rainforest for it to happen because uh, <laughs> oh. crypto mining and the blockchain whatever is apparently massively processor heavy. So um, I don't know that we need this because I'm, I'm, I'm no biblical scholar, as anyone who's listened to the show for any amount of time will know. But I'm pretty sure the normal prayer, the normal way prayer works just kind of happens. Yeah, and I was actually confused by the name of the website, just theologically, eternalprayer.net. I mean, we got to have prayer now, but like in eternity, we're just going to be hanging out. 
we're just going to be face to face. I don't know that we am I going to need my eternal prayer NFT? Is that can you cash that stuff in in, in heaven? I mean, wh- why why eternal prayer? Oh, you raise a really good point. That's good. Yeah, also, and it doesn't speak to these people's understanding of the technology they're proclaiming to use. The the blockchain's not eternal, guys. It's just like on servers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like just a lightning storm will take that out or just someone's like kid unplugging it. <laughs> Here's one thing that I I really enjoy, just you know, as as a delight of making the world worse for no reason. So, um, I I am by no means a crypto expert, but like based on a little bit of reading, so it is super processor intensive. And in fact, part of the reason why graphics cards, like high end graphics cards, are so hard to get right now, is that um, a lot of guys that are do really intense work in that actually they use those high end graphics cards for crypto mining. Um, like demand has shot up, which is why it's really hard wow. to, to find those. And so I love the idea that there's some poor kid who just wants to play God of War on his PC and he can't <laughs> because of your prayers. Your prayers are screwing wow. Trevor's gaming over right now. <laughs> Trevor hates you so much. Yeah. Uh, what if what if Trevor starts praying against you? Oh, snap. Oh, dude. How does the blockchain deal with competing prayers? Wow. Well, go. I mean, if you paid for it, it's yours, right? Like, <laughs> at, at a level, it's not that prayer's not gainsayable. So if Trevor, if Trevor prays for a prayer over top of your, you can't undo Trevor's prayer. There you go. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Well, Judd, to, to your point about the energy, I, I want to make sure I had this stat right. From uh, Fortune magazine, the report states that each Bitcoin transaction consumes one thousand one hundred seventy-three kilowatt hours of electricity. That's the volume of energy that could power the typical American home for six weeks. Oh my gosh, Whoa. dude. That's not exactly NFTing. That's Bitcoining, but uh, you know, it's all in the same thing. So you could have. So also, your uh, prayer uh, NFT here is probably making it so that someone in a disadvantaged neighborhood is power is either getting more expensive or going out. I love that at long last, people have found a way to make prayer bad for the world. <laughs> you, you've taken something that is purely good and you found a way to make it bad for the world. Oh, gosh. I think you should take a time out and think about what you've done with yourself. Like, the, I mean, look, we we grew up in the 80s slash 90s. So we saw all of the really, really lame, uh, cringy, sad ways that Christian culture would just piggyback yes. on whatever culture was doing. And and all of those things had their ill impacts on youth groups and the church in general and the society in general. But now what you're saying is that Christian piggybacking is actually going to bring the like the nuclear winter faster. Yes. We're yes. going to ruin the environment faster because yeah. of Christian piggybacking on culture. That's right. That's right. I'm so sad. Well, the great thing about this is making prayer worse is even for people who are who are openly hostile to religion or, or Christianity, most of the stuff where I, I read that or see them online or whatever, prayer is like the one thing where they're like, it's dumb, but fine. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, you should be able to pray, to meditate or whatever without blah, 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 you know, edgy Reddit thing, sky friend, whatever. But, you know... Yeah, thinking, thoughts, whatever, that's cool. You you found a way to make that deeply objectionable. 
<laughs> well, I I can't wait to see what the the you know the the people that rant about you know uh, they took prayer out of schools with yeah. you know with absolutely no understanding what prayer means or what an equitable prayer in school would actually be in a pluralistic sure. society. Not explaining any of that, just 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 putting that out in the ether. Nah, Lee, I tried to meet someone at the pole and they hit me in the po- knee with a pipe. It's crazy <laughs> out here. Exactly. The, look, I'm just going to say words that make you afraid and upset so I can raise money. What are they going to do with this? You Ooh, know? That's a good question. That's a good question. Well, here's something that's not in the value proposition, but in, in an alternate world where I had the motivation to be evil enough to come up with this, I think the one thing I can say, well, maybe maybe I maybe you could pitch it this way, is um, there's the idea that if if something is is free, people don't put as much energy into it, right? Um, so if you're gonna pay twenty dollars for your prayer NFT, you probably want that to be a pretty good prayer. So maybe to like yeah, sharpen your thing. But with that in mind. If you go to eternalprayer.org and click on product slash blockchain prayer NFT, which is just a series of words that's now in my browser, um, they have a sample prayer. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Laid over an image of a clear stock image of uh, three crosses on a hill. Sample okay. prayer. Dear Lord, please guide me to a partner that leads a Christ-centered life and that puts you at the center of our relationship so that our family and children will continue to praise you and lead a biblical life. In Christ's name, I'm not making the name they put on this up, Trevor. <laughs> wow. As many of you know, okay. Trevor is our stand-in, a 14-year-old boy who all church signs uh, must be passed through to see if they make him giggle or not. <laughs> and, 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 and marketing in general. Yeah. But, like, so when you were reading that, Matt, it, uh, and understand, everything I've said so far comes from a place of total ignorance about crypto, NFT, shields, all the things, all the little doodads, but the 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 very tiny piece that I do understand about NFTs has to do with like like unbreakable propriety, like propriety, right? Yeah. Like if if you have made this thing, then actually it can't be duplicated. It, it you 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 can't undo it or duplicate it or whatever. It doesn't, it's, it can never be owned by anybody else, whatever the, however some of that works. This is how things have been explained to me. I don't know if it's true or not, but based on that terrible understanding of what we're talking about, if you pray for something like that, Matt, what if now no one else can ever pray that again? Oh, well, then oh, man. now you're talking about a secondary resale market. Yeah, we have an unbreakable proprietary nature of certain prayers where we have, yeah, the exactly the sec the secondary retail market of like I you know, it's like just think about some of the Psalms, like that my enemies, you know, that you would smite my enemies or something like that. And it's like, I'm sorry, uh, Matt already prayed that last <laughs> week. I can't actually answer that prayer because of the way blockchain works. I don't know if you you're going to have to buy, if you also want a God-centered, a Christ-centered partner, you're going to have to buy that NFT from someone. Exactly. Yeah. But here's what I'm saying. You know, it's fine. You know, a partner, our family and children will continue to praise you and lead a biblical life. I don't know if that's worth 20 bucks, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty like, you know, there's a Maybe again, like it was not so much a prayer, but a, a type of calling out to the Lord. We've all had maybe it was a maybe you had a little too much to drink one night, or you push it too hard and exercise. We've all had that moment where you say, "Lord, if you get me through this, I'll never do this again." Yep. And maybe 
20 bucks so that something arrives in your inbox the next day when you're a different mindset, like, remember last night, remember <laughs> what you said to the Lord yeah. and make changes in your life. Eh, maybe that's something, but, uh, well, <laughs> I, I do love, this is a small detail. I'm looking at the, the sample prayer page. It's a small detail. They have an option. So they list, you know, 1999 US dollars. Pay in four interest-free installments for orders over $50 with shop pay. I love that you can buy your prayers on time. You can do an installment plan for wow. your prayers. It's like, I'm hoping that happens, honey, but you have to understand we're financing that one. <laughs> and so... <laughs> You've ruined prayer. You have absolutely ruined <laughs> prayer. Like... If this was parody, if this was satire, it would not be any different than what it is. You have found a way to put the blessings on layaway. Yes. Wow. Is what has happened here. The, the, the thing that's, I mean, there have been so many incredible things that have come as a result of us doing this show for so many years. But I think one of the most surprising things that has become unsurprising now is how much Christian culture just unironically makes one of those Saturday Night Live commercials. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love, um, there's some vagueness going on here. So you go to eternalprayer.org, how it works. Submit your prayers to eternal prayer. We inscribe your prayer on the blockchain. You receive an NFT to honor your prayer. And you'd expect there to be like links or like a card that would flip over. So it'd be like, here's how that works. No, that that's all the information is what I just read you. Over stock images. This is an incredible grift because at no point does anybody say how these prayers go to the ears of God. Yeah. It's not like they're saying we, this is like, you know, like when you go to Dollywood or, you know, Disney or something like that, um, you know, Disneyland or something, you can stand in line like a chump for hours on end, or you can get the fast pass and you can get on the roller coaster in front of everybody. And so they haven't even said that they're doing that. All they're saying is, you give us money, and we create this thing. We, we don't actually know. That they're not actually claiming these prayers are getting to the ears of an almighty creator. You're talking about some kind of fast prayer system where you get like a little uh, bracelet. Yes. Or maybe an outsourcing where like, we, if you do this, we'll pay people in uh, economically disadvantaged countries to not do their own prayers, but they'll just pray about your thing all day long. <laughs> wow. Oh gosh. Oh, I think I just gave someone an yeah, idea. I, that I'm I deeply just got so with. afraid. <laughs> so if we don't have anything else before I accidentally make a pitch to the worst people in Silicon Valley, I'm going to declare emergency off. Yeah, that one. I felt we, I think we all felt that one at once of like, Oh, someone would do that. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, and that, that's and that's the thing. It's like I, I know Matt well enough to know that there's there's not a zero percent chance that he's going to lose sleep over having spoken that into the into the reality of the world. Don't feel great about putting that in the world. I hope we have at some point a digital Martin Luther who uh, I don't know post to <laughs> whatever the the equivalent would be. There's a Wittenberg door subreddit goes on a mighty rant about this and and takes them all down. We can only Fantastic. hope. We're going to move on wow. to our first question. If you have a question for us, you can have us all the way to the end. I'll give you some addresses, or you can scroll down into your episode description and find your links there. First question comes in and says, so my partner is currently visiting for the first time since COVID lockdown. 
I feel like everyone is expecting us to go to the next level and get engaged since we've been together for a while. I actually wanted that before, but I don't know anymore. One thing is that a I have feelings for someone that I've liked since college that have resurfaced since we reconnected during COVID. I also don't really want to move, which I would have to, to advance the relationship with my partner. I feel stable here and I don't really want to move and like that feeling of uncertainty. I also feel a lot of pressure from my parents to get engaged and I don't want to end up saying yes just because I think that's what people expect from me. I feel kind of like I'm emotionally being unfaithful to my partner and I want to tell them but I'm also not sure if I should because maybe that would just be sabotaging my relationship. And we really appreciate your writing in. Um, we, uh, we are certainly uh, in a non-blockchain-backed way uh, praying for you, lifting up yes. what is a complicated situation. But it is, it is complicated. It is multilayered. It, it is not uh, unique in the history of time. It is, uh, it is all, all these details are solvable and, and approachable. And Lee, um, as someone who's worked with a lot of folks and High school, college age, you know, the complications of relationships and uh, even in non-extraordinary uh, times like COVID is, uh, where do we start with something that feels this kind of big and messy? Yeah, I mean, Matt's right. We do appreciate you writing this in and, and, and you know, honestly, just like just being open about it, just being honest about it. I think that one of the things that complicates this kind of situation for a lot of people is some of this, some of the things that you're experiencing do feel kind of yucky. And so it would be safer to not admit to myself that I'm in a certain space. Um, Mm -hmm. it would be safer to say, no, 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 I've always wanted this relationship. And so I do want it to go forward because it feels yucky to say to myself, oh, I don't really know if I want this. And, um, and I think that the reason that I'm, I've, I'm maybe still in it is because other people want this so bad. Yeah. That feels yucky. So it would be safer just to go ahead and, and just, just go downhill on everybody's expectations. (laughs) And what we like, the thing that I want to say, like Matt said, you know, and I mean, after watching a lot of relationships begin and end, some make it and a lot more not make it. Um, Some make it that probably shouldn't have gone as far as they did. Um, It is, it is always, and this is a very, very hard and fast rule. You should be in a relationship because you want to be in it. <laughs> and I know that sounds really, really simplistic, but it should be because you want to be in this relationship. If you don't want to be in it, then there's no other, there's not going to be some other reason that's going to make it worth it. Like, um, well, you know, my friends have been pulling for, the, you know, pulling for us for and rooting for this relationship for so long. I think that should just make it worth it. No, it won't. It really, really won't. <laughs> no. Your your friends are this, and this is one of those things that feels super obvious as well. All the people that think this relationship is really adorable and cute and cool, they're not in it. Um, they don't have to be a part of it. And so you can't you can't stick it out in a relationship you know you don't want to be into in, and you know you don't have the feelings for just because other people want it. That, that's the basis of, of where we need to start here is that every single person deserves to be in a relationship who wants to be with them. And I say that on behalf of the person that you're with now. Um, and I say that on behalf of you as well. Um, you deserve to be in a relationship with somebody who wants to be with you. And that person deserves to be in a relationship that somebody that wants to be with them. Um, as far as 
how much you need to tell the other person. I mean, I, I do think there are a lot of details here that, that I'm not willing to be completely black and white on. But definitely, if you've got feelings for somebody else and you know you that you're in this because other people have expectations, it's definitely time to 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 end this thing. Um, I, and I, you know, you say I, I don't know how I feel about telling you know about my feelings for somebody else because it might damage this relationship. Hey, this relationship is is <laughs> this is not where we want to stay. Um, and, and so I I think that you know doing damage control for this one, I think the the best thing to do here is to be honest with the person that you're with about the fact that I'm really not um, I really don't see a future for us right now. And and the the cheapest price price to pay on that is now. Um, and that, that price will get more expensive the farther away you get from it. But we do appreciate your clarity and honesty and just being willing to be honest with yourself about it. A lot of people go f- way further down the pike in something they should not be in because they're unwilling to be honest with themselves about how they feel. That's such an important place to start that off. And Jed, let me get you to pick us up there because I think there is maybe two stages to this. And one is the, yeah. I have a lot of messy feelings that I need to wade through and come to a decision. So, yep. uh, one of those in this case, maybe, you know, I reconnected with someone and maybe I want to be with them now instead of my current partner. Maybe that's true. Maybe you couldn't see your partner at all during COVID and you could have some interaction with this person and da da da. da. Maybe there's a reason that didn't work out before we may arrive there. We may not. It's, 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 a, it's a whole thing. But what if and when you come to a, oh, I was all, I, things looked like they were going in this path and now I really don't want them to. Uh, I think Lee makes a good point that that's definitely something you need to act on, but maybe first it needs to be something that you need to be okay with in and of yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think one of the things, this is a term that I've learned from my wife and it's a great term. And I I want, I want to encourage you to bring it into your uh, brain, both for this and the future. But the phrase is window of efficacy. Most things in life have a window of efficacy. They have a period of time where they make sense. And then after that, they don't really make sense anymore. And this is a super, super common thing in the business world, right? Where there's a deal and maybe we're going to work together and maybe, you know, you'll pay for this part and I'll pay for this part and we'll make money. It'll be great. There's a window of efficacy. There's a time period where we need to get this underway for it to all work. If you come back to me 10 years from now and be like, hey, you still want to do that deal? The answer is going to be no, because the situation has changed. Most things in life have a window of efficacy. They have a period of time where they make sense and then a period of time where they don't. And it's totally cool to decide and to admit to yourself the moment's past. Mm, the moment's yeah. past. Two years ago, I think there was something here, but that was two years ago. The, the moment's past. I, I want to do something else now. As I read through your question, I want to very intentionally actually set all the stuff related to guy number two aside. I just, cause I think it's kind of a separate thing. I want to set that aside. The only positive desire that you articulate anywhere in your question in terms of, I want something was two years ago, two years ago, you had this boyfriend. You're like, you know what? I, I think that there may be a future here. Everything else that you describe in your question is stuff you don't really want. There's, it's reasons why you don't want this relationship to proceed or, or to move forward. Now, maybe your question's not a fair representation of how you feel, but just based on what you've written, there's one thing that's two years ago, of, ah, this could be something, and then everything else is reasons why you, you don't want to do it. Give yourself permission to say things have changed. 
Because that's that's how life works, man. Everything has a window of efficacy. And if you don't believe me, you wouldn't eat leftovers that were two years old out of your fridge. <laughs> you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Everything has a window where it makes sense and then a much, much bigger window where it doesn't. And I think that in terms of the the the, the stuff with, with the other dude, I it's something for you to think about. I think you're looking for a way in which you're the bad guy here. And I think that the maybe I have feelings for someone else and maybe I'm being, you know, what was your term? Uh, being emotionally unfaithful. I think yeah. I think we may be looking for a way where you're the bad guy. And I want to encourage you. You don't have to land on this, but I want to encourage you to think about the idea of maybe there is no bad guy. Maybe this just didn't work. Maybe, you know, right. the current boyfriend's a cool dude, but he's just not a good fit for where you are today. And maybe you're a real cool person, but you're not a good fit for where he is today. And maybe that's okay. You know, if you go back to the idea of, you know, business deals and a window of efficacy, man, plenty of business deals don't happen. And not because, you know, these guys are jerks or we're jerks or, you know, this, they're being bad. It's just sometimes things just don't work out. That's okay. Giving yourself permission to say, the situation has changed. My situation has changed. And that doesn't have to say anything bad about anybody. It's just the nature of the beast. Whether you do that here or not, it's a skill that you're going to need to develop in your life in order to have some peace and some um, stability moving forward. And I think it probably applies to this situation, too. I think that's a really, really important point and a great one, because if you're a little younger, if you maybe haven't had some relationship experience, maybe you just haven't had some things fall apart or, or kind of get past some things, it can be very easy to think of particularly in a Christian context, any relationship that doesn't end in marriage is a failure. And getting married to the per wrong person is way more of a failure than breaking up with someone. Yeah, not not good. Like from from three guys who have who have seen that those arcs play out in other people's lives over time and uh, I can at least speak for myself, uh maybe someone uh, at the time it felt like, "Oh man, this breakup was the worst thing that happened to me." And then a, the new thing comes in and you move on and you go, okay, that was unpleasant at the time. No one wants to be broken up with. This turned out to be a very good thing that happened to me. Yep. Yeah. And again, as Jed's saying, not because anybody was a bad guy, not because, oh, that was actually a terrible person. They were really it's like, okay, if being in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to be in a relationship with you is no fun at yeah. any point. Right. That's right. When, whether they're a great person, bad person, whatever, trying to make, being the only person trying to make a relationship work is not something you want to inflict on someone in any kind of scenario. So, and it, I know it does feel like, well, you know, they're going to hate me and my friends are going to be disappointed and my parents are going to be disappointing. Someone. And all that may be true, but all the balance of this, this will be a really uncomfortable couple of weeks where everyone always asks, Oh, are you and so-and-so still together? And you have to be like, no, actually we kind of didn't work out. That is nothing compared to, the rest of your life yeah, in a relationship <laughs> you're not sure if you want to be in. That is, that is not a virtuous choice and it's not one you, you should make just for the sake of, as, as Lee was saying, kind of that it seems to be the easiest choice in front of you for right now. A lot of times the easiest choice in front of you right now and the easiest choice over the long haul are not the same thing. And we want to, want to be clear and we want to have the, the courage and the clarity to do what needs to be done in that moment, if that's what you decide to do. Again, 
the details he gave us, we've all seen stranger situations where someone says, I was feeling this, and then, and then I it turned out that actually I went back to the original thing and it was fine. Could be your choice. That's the minority of them, going to be honest. But once you come to that point of decision, then the, make that decision and, and, and do the best you can with it. Move on to our next question here. It says, I was reading in Luke 7 where Jesus raises a widow's son. It's a very sweet story, but I couldn't help but think there surely there were lots of people whose loved ones he didn't raise from the dead. So in that case, what's the point of that story and what are we supposed to take away from it? A, a very cool question and a, a really, I think, an interesting way to look at what can be just passed off as like, here's a story of Jesus being nice. And the lesson is that Jesus is nice. Isn't that great? But Jed, if, if we look a little bit more through the lens that our, our friend is giving us here, what maybe are we supposed to pull away from stories like this in the Gospels? That's a great question. So real quick, I'm going to read you kind of an abbreviated version. I think this is the NASB, but it's Luke 7. I'm jumping around verses 11 to 17. Jesus was on his way to a town. Uh, his disciples and a great crowd accompanied him on the journey. He came near the gate of the town. A man who had died was being carried out to burial. He was his mother's only son. She was a widow. There was a great crowd of townspeople with her. When the Lord saw her, he was moved to the depths of his heart for her. And he said to her, don't go on weeping. He went up and touched the, the casket. Those who were carrying it stood still. Young man, he said, I tell you, rise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And he gave him back to his mother and all gripped them all. They glorified God saying, a great prophet, etc." Okay, so I am going to directly appeal to a much smarter and more wise person than myself. This is uh, a theologian named William Barclay. I'm going to read you a, a quick thing that he had to say, and then we're going to go from there. So this is uh, Scottish theologian William Barclay. To the pathos of human life, uh, the Apostle Luke adds the compassion of Christ. Jesus was moved to the depths of his heart. There is no stronger word in the Greek language for sympathy, and again and again in the gospel story it is used of Jesus. To the ancient world, this must have been a staggering thing. The noblest faith in antiquity was Stoicism. The Stoics believed that the primary characteristic of God was apathy, incapability of feeling. This was their argument. If someone can make another sad or sorry, glad or joyful, it means that at least for the moment, he can influence that other person. If he can influence him, that means that at least for the moment, he is greater than he. Now, no one can be greater than God. Therefore, no one can influence God. Therefore, in the nature of things, God must be incapable of feeling. Here, men were presented with the amazing conception of one who was the son of God being moved to the depths of his being. Very cool stuff. So whatever else might be true, God sees our situation, and on a deep emotional level, he cares about it. God sees your situation, and in a true feelings-y way, he cares about your situation. That's at least one takeaway from this, and I I think it's really worth thinking about. But now I want to look at the second part of your question, which I think is brilliant. It's actually something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Which is, what about everybody else? I mean, there's people dying all the time, and Jesus didn't raise all of them, so, so what gives? I did some math recently, and um, if you take the total number of miracles that are recorded in the Bible, and you take kind of the time frame uh, that the Bible records, right, you know, the, the years of, that it is reporting on, uh, if you were to average it out, the Bible averages about one miracle every 25 to 30 years during the time period that it covers. That's an awful lot of people not getting a supernatural hookup. It's an almost infinite number of people 
not getting a supernatural hookup. And so what are we to make of that? Well, one option is God has his favorites and you're not one of them. God has people he really likes who get that hookup. They they win the Jesus lottery. And maybe if you had more faith, you'd be one of them, but you don't. So you don't. Better luck next time. That's one possibility. And if you've been raised in certain very poisonous corners of evangelicalism, you've basically been told that. So that's that's one thing that we could make of that. What else can we make of the idea that there's one miracle every 27 and a half years during the period of time covering the Bible? I think the other thing we can make of it is that miracles are simply not the primary way that God interacts with humanity. And I really want to encourage you to ponder that because American Christianity has been obsessed with miracles. And I think that we've been obsessed with miracles in a way that has shortchanged the nature of God and has shortchanged the kind of life that uh, God wants to give us. Let me get on my soapbox for a second. Uh, no historians have ever agreed about any one subject, but there are certainly many who would say that in this time and in this place, a woman who was a widow whose only son was dying was about to enter a really bad place in her life. Um, she was probably going to starve to death because she didn't really have means to work. She didn't have means for support. Things were about to get really bad. One miracle that could occur every single time is that the people in that town could realize, surely that's a tragedy. Surely we can do better. Surely we can work together and care for the least and the vulnerable in our midst. And wouldn't that be a miracle of God's love uniting human hearts and urging people to action? And here's the thing. God wants that miracle to occur all day, every day, everywhere in the world. There are no exceptions to that. God wants that to happen constantly. The miracle of mercy from one human heart to another is meant to occur at all times, in all places, no matter what. And God means for you, you listening right now, you hearing my voice, God means for you to be one of the practitioners of that miracle. But if our only focus is on stuff that one, on a conventional definition of miracles, we won't do that. If we're so busy waiting for the supernatural, we will never get into the quiet miracles of simply showing compassion for one another. I believe that's what God wants each and every one of us to do. I believe that's what God wants you to do. And here's the thing. It starts from the same place as Jesus in this story. Jesus was moved in his spirit and he acted. God wants the same thing of you. God wants you to look at people who are hurting and to be moved in your spirit and act. We are meant to follow in the example of Jesus. We may not be able to raise people from the dead, but we can be moved in our spirit and we can act. That is beautifully put. A great place to start that off. And Lee, what would you add to that? Well, for one thing, I I just absolutely love that answer. Completely agree with every single word of it. I, I was actually reading something this past week in in the book of Acts that it was talking about like the the kind of the birth of the church, this one particular place. And one of the things that it said was that um, the, that the grace of God was at work powerfully among them, so much so that, and I thought, oh, it would be really cool to cover up the next sentence and just see what Christians would think would come next. Like the grace of God is so, was so powerfully at work among them that, and then just see how people would answer that, how American Christians would answer that. Here's, the, here's what the book of Acts said. The grace of God was so powerfully at work among them that no one was needy. Wow. They gave, that everybody who had a lot gave 
to those who did not have a lot so that everyone had enough. And I thought that is an amazing thing. At the birth of the church, that the ex- that if you want an example of the grace of God just being extremely explosive among a community, the result was they got rid of poverty in their community. Yep. Incredible. It's just so, so incredible. I love um, the the... A lot of times when I'm trying to figure out how to think about a certain biblical passage, and I'm not, understand when I say this, I I am not and I have never been a director. I've never made a film in my entire life. But sometimes when I'm reading a passage of scripture that I, I don't know what to do with it, I'll take some time and try to imagine if I were a director making a film of this, what is something that I would want to accentuate? And the thing that I think about in this particular story um, is the two crowds like i would want like a drone camera looking down upon this the corner of this town from the sky because one of the things when jed read the story to us it said that jesus was his, was with his disciples and a big crowd of people and they were like everybody was fired up and hopeful and like in the presence of jesus i mean the stuff that he was doing was attracting crowds and crowds of people and they just didn't leave him they just stayed with him and they're coming towards the the corner of this town And then there's another crowd, which is a funeral procession, a crowd of hopelessness and a crowd of desperation and a crowd of sadness. I was actually in a funeral procession yesterday and it's so quiet and it's so sad. And and of course it is. That's that there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's what that's supposed to be. But when I look at this story, if I was thinking about like if I was making a film of this, where would I want, what, what would the camera be focusing on? I would be doing like cutting back and forth from like a really quiet, sad, desperate hopelessness. And then like this exuberant, hopeful thing. And the thing that's amazing about Jesus to me in this moment is how he is able to marry those things. Mm. He is able to dignify the sadness because it says, like Jed read, uh, in another translation, it says his heart went out to her. And I love, I love the simplicity of that. His heart went out to her. He didn't say she was wrong for being sad. He didn't say it's bad to mourn. He didn't say any of those things. He brought the hopefulness of everything that he was doing and his great compassion and his love into this desperate situation, which was uh, correctly sad and quiet and mournful. And then he changed it with his compassion and his love, and he brought something into it. Of course, not, not everybody's going to be raising people from the dead and all that stuff. That, that's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about um, just, I, I don't even know how to describe, like, th- there's something that it says to me of, like, there's a hopefulness that grace and that a person who knows Jesus carries into every room. Um, it, it, it dignifies mourning. It dignifies the quiet sadness of a desperate situation. And its heart goes out. And I have to think that's some of what had this crowd excited, the, the, one, the folks that were with Jesus. Again, I don't know. It, it, I, I love your question, and I love the thing of saying, what gives? Um, I think that's fantastic. This is, that's something that speaks to me in this particular scene is just the, I, just the closing my eyes or squinting my eyes and seeing the hopeful crowd about to T-bone with the, the sad crowd. And, and at the crux of that is the heart of Jesus who goes out to and dignifies mourning and sadness and brings hope through that great compassion. I think that is beautifully put. 
by both of these guys. And an excellent, excellent question. We thank you for writing in. Move on to our final question here. It comes in and says, I feel like there are areas of my life that I'm not really trying to do better in. I probably should be, but I either don't have the energy or the desire. How do I be okay with that? Should I be okay with that? And uh, we are really, really digging into the honesty, which we are digging this week on the questions. And Lee, where would we kick off with this one? Um, <laughs> I think the place I would kick off is, it depends. Um, says who? Like, there's a lot of things that may need to change in your life, and there's a lot of things that may not need to change in your life. And I would say, be careful with that. Um, I was... I was on a web page the other day and one of these little sidebars pops up and it was like, it was a picture of a banana and it was like, this is the worst food you can eat if you care about belly fat. And I was just like, can you just leave me alone and let me enjoy a banana with my coffee every now and then? No, because you can dip a banana in chocolate. So definitionally that's worse than a banana. There's always money in the banana stand, Matt. (laughs) But like what like what I'm saying is if you if you let folks, they will give you a million and five things that you are not caring about enough. And you need to turn all of that up right now, all at the same time. And that's not me saying you don't need to make changes. I think everybody has growing edges and everybody has some places where we need to make changes. I actually want to lean into the truth of that and say, do we know what those are? Yeah. Do we actually know the things where you do need to change? And then I want to do something that our culture doesn't care about at all, which is in let's let's look at some of those things in a smart and strategic way. And then otherwise, let's learn how to relax and celebrate and enjoy relaxing. Yeah. Um, there is nothing like there's nothing that gets stigmatized more in American culture, I think, than um, or that people feel more guilty about than like sleep. Mm. Like, oh man, I I just feel so terrible. I slept in today. I just can't believe it. Or like, man, I was studying and I just I couldn't help it. I I fell asleep and I had a twelve minute nap. I feel so terrible about that. I feel so ashamed to admit it. Or like. Somebody walks in when you're supposed to be studying or you're supposed to be working and it's like you have some bags under your whoa, did you fall asleep? And it's like it's like, oh no, 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 no. I just I just have these bags under my eyes. I didn't fall asleep. Who would fall asleep while they're working? You know, and it's because there's nothing we feel worse about than sleep. Yeah. Or my favorite, getting the phone call to like eleven o'clock at night or seven in the morning and having the groggy voice. Yeah. Someone be yeah. like, Oh, did I wake you up? And just that part of your brain is like, No, no, been up for hours, been up grinding, working. <laughs> It's five o'clock exactly. in the morning, but of course I'm up. Why wouldn't I be? This is my working voice. <laughs> um, I just finished my first of three workouts. <laughs> <laughs> and I certainly have felt all those things a whole lot, especially being a person who has a weird vocation that has weird hours and that people don't really understand. And so there's like this defensiveness that comes up of like, no, no, I never sleep. I actually don't sleep. That's one of the things about being a pastor. Didn't you know that? And, and, that, and all that stuff is backwards. And, and it's been backwards in my own life as well. What I would say is, let's make sure we know, first of all, what is the number one thing right now that needs to change? And then let's relax about a lot of the rest of it. Let's keep some things to a dull roar while we work on the number one thing that needs to change. And then let's figure out how do we rest well in a way that you get a lot of enjoyment and a lot of fulfillment out of rest. Yeah. I think that's a great, great place to start off. And Jed, what would you add to that? Well, I agree with everything Lee said, uh, and I would kind of tack on, dude, nobody improves everything all at once. Nobody, nobody like, 
of, of all the the kind of the corners of the internet that are that are pretty poisonous, one of them that is particularly vicious because it feels so positive is kind of the the grind culture and the get motivated culture um, because it will lead you to believe things that are just not true. The idea of like you know I'm maximizing my potential 24 hours a day. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> like n- nobody does that, man. There's no such thing as that. I for real saw for some reason Instagram wanted to show me a bunch of those a little while ago, like my explore page. And it was, you know, they'll take like the the stock photo of something that looks expensive and put like a normally it's like a Warren Buffett quote or something or the yeah, rock yeah. or whatever. This one for some reason was a Gandhi quote. Oh over like a <laughs> like a Learjet. And I'm like, What? I don't you got somebody missed something here along the way. <laughs> Also, Matt, just to break in, when when you first said Warren Buffett, for some reason my brain, and I think it's because last week I saw a picture of him hanging out with James Taylor, but my brain said Jimmy Buffett, and I was like, actually, Jimmy Buffett could be a help into yeah, this question. Yeah, aspect. yeah, yeah, yeah. Warren Buffett monetized. He didn't lose that shaker of salt. He sold it. That's what it is. And then he invested those profits and put them to work. Built a salt empire. <laughs> Yeah, so wasted away again at Berkshire Hathaway. Oh, that is very good. <laughs> that that is excellent. Please, Jed, that continue before my brain keeps doing that. Okay, so uh, nobody, not even Warren Buffett, nobody improves everything all at once. There is no such thing as that. So I get the idea of saying like you know stuff in my life that needs work. Same here. I, I get that, dude. My question for you is: Are you being intentional about choosing the areas that you're focusing on? Um, if, if, if you're not, that's the one thing I want to encourage you on is to be, to be intentional. And here's why is you've got, at least today, you've got a host of voices that want to tell you which areas you should prioritize. Like if Lee had clicked on the banana and telling you the banana is the worst thing in the world, they're selling some kind of product or service. Like there, there's something where they want you to pay them money to do a thing. And I think it's worth asking is your belly fat situation, is that the thing that you need to prioritize right now? Um, they're yep. almost certainly not the solution to that problem. But but even if they were, is that really the thing that you need to be focusing on right now? Um, in, in a whole world of possibilities, is that it? And I think it's worth looking at two things, right? The first is when you talk with mentors, when you talk with your dearest friends, when you talk with the people who know you the best, as Lee would put it, when you talk with people kind of in your inner circle, um, and just, you know, in the stillness of, of just being present with yourself, what are the things that are most closely aligned with your goals, with your core values, with the things that you care about? And, and how are those areas of your life doing? And are there, are there some wins that we could find? Because those are probably good places to focus. Here's the second thing. Perhaps the most important advice I could give anybody related to their spiritual life is, are you asking God to show you the areas in your life that he really cares about, the things that he would like to look at, that God would like to look at? Um, That's been a huge big deal in my life. I think it would probably, you know, be good for you, for you as well. And if, if you've got both of those covered, if you're seeking the Lord in terms of guidance on, you know, what to work on in your life and you're kind of talking with your inner circle about, you know, what, what do I need to be doing to be more closely aligned with my goals, and my core values, then you're doing great. If you're, if you've got both of those covered, man, I, I think you're probably doing as much self betterment and self improvement as anyone can do. And there's probably not more hours in the day than that, quite honestly. Um, you know, if you're not doing either of those things, I think it's worth looking at. It's no pressure. Maybe it's not the right season for them, but if you are, I think you're doing as well as anybody could ask. 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And there's also the, um, there's definitely, as Jez is describing there, the inherent limit of you can only do so many things at once. And that comes in kind of in a, in a, a caring capacity way. But then there is, and I think this is another aspect of what's being asked in the question here, kind of, I checked something off the list. I did pretty good. I know there's a next thing on the list, but I just don't have the energy or the wherewithal to look at the list right now. I'd like to take a break from the list for the love of all that's holy. Yep. And that's cool, too. You don't want to put the list away forever, but, yeah. you know, it's uh, you don't have you don't. There are some people who they're just their natural thing is, OK, I, I, I checked off a right. Let's go to B. Let's see what's up. Let's let's move it on. Let's keep the momentum going. That's fine. If that works for them, that's great. Some of us need need a little bit of a recharge in between A and B, and that's yeah. fine too. Um, then there's also, and I think this needs to be said, there will come times for things that you know you should work on or move forward on or put some effort into, and you don't want to, and that's fine. Sometimes those things need to get done, so you might have to start off with a really half-assed attempt. <laughs> And sometimes that's how you're going to start into that. Um, yeah. We, I, I shy away from using uh, like physical or exercise examples. I know it's a, it's a strong uh, trigger point for some people, but just as, as a, for instance, maybe you, I, I do need to start, I don't feel great or whatever. And I, for perfectly healthy reasons, I do need to start getting some more physical exercise. And at some point I'd like to be able to do some strength training four times a week. That's great. Go for a 10 minute walk. Yep. That is an incredibly half-hearted attempt at fitness. It's also something. Yeah, and infinitely more than nothing. Yeah, and you know you need to be doing something. Is this getting you uh, quicker to your your health goals quickly? Probably not, but you you made a little step. Um, And if you want to get from zero to some momentum, then you can pick up momentum, as we talked about in other things on the show. But there are times when the the motivation will follow the doing the thing. Yeah. And there are some times when you need to build up a critical amount of motivation to to get off the couch and you you can play those together and and figure them out as you go. You know, just to build on I think it's such a good point. I think one of the ways that you can tell real experts in any field is if you can go to them and be like, "Hey, look, I need to work on this, but I want the lazy guys approach to this." I want you to give me the softest possible entry, low hanging fruit, won't break a sweat. Like that's what I'm looking for. And again, I think you can tell really good instructors and people with real expertise because in general, I'll be like, oh, I got you. No problem. Here, here's, here's what we're gonna do. And that's everything from learning a foreign language to working on your finances to stuff with physical fitness to, um, you know, uh, uh, learning how to sing opera, whatever. Like people who really, really know that stuff, they're not put off by that request. And they generally have some good guidance to offer on here's the super soft form of entry it would get you in the door and you can you know start to have some fun with it. Um, I think you should be wary of people whose basic perspective on you is, hey, bro, go big or go home. Uh, because a, that's not super helpful guidance. But also, I think that's often the perspective of people that don't have as much expertise as they're letting on. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. Um, some of us come from areas of the world where there's the the whatever you want to call it, the redneck or whatever uh, mechanic or fix it person, and that's the expert. Anybody can make it work with the parts they need. What can you do with the le- what can you do with this 
this uh, clothespin and four uh, four ounces of twine. Can you make it work with that? <laughs> and that's the same way with some of that. And I think that is actually a decent uh, carryover because you may feel like there's a version of you don't have the right tools emotionally or motivationally or whatever. And sometimes you do need to wait till, till you have the right tool. Um, and sometimes you need to go ahead and get rolling a little bit with what you have. That's fine yeah. too. That work. That totally works. And as, as Jed pointed out, something is always more than nothing. So Dude. even if you have the, and it kind of goes back to something we were talking about in a pre in the previous question about don't totally go by what it feels like because your feelings aren't always going to be a good indication. It may not feel like you're, you're setting your goals and being intentional and setting the world on fire. But if you got to a point where you know you need to take a step forward and you're taking that step forward, that is going to be a very good thing as well. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com slash ask. If you want to keep that entirely anonymous, we're going to take over the song this week. I haven't picked it yet. It's going to be a surprise to all of us. It's a mystery box song. And isn't that exciting for all of us, but it certainly will be a song that you'll be hearing as soon as I finish this sentence. I don't know why I'm padding it out <laughs> like I need to pick it now. I'm going to put it in in post-production, so it's all fine. So we will let you know that we love you, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Take my life and let it be Consecrated Yeah.